It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, everyone. It's Amy Newmark. I'm off this week, so I've chosen three great end-of-summer episodes for you from last year. I'll be back after Labor Day week with new episodes. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your daily dose of Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration. It's Friend Friday, and today I want to introduce you to Mary Shores, who has a new book out, which I love. It's called Conscious Communications. Mary, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. It is my pleasure to be here. So you have such an interesting background. Mary is the founder and CEO of a very large collection agency, and she's going to tell us what makes her agency unique in in the way that it deals with people. And she has spent a decade, more than a decade, teaching businesses and individuals how to create new ways of thinking, how to use different language. And she is the revolutionary founder of the Words That Work system, and that inspired her book that she has put out with Hay House recently called Conscious Communications. And she's a public speaker, in addition to being an author, and in addition to running her collection agency. And to learn more about her, you can go to maryshores, S-H-O-R-E-S, dot com. So, Mary, first of all, I want to hear about this collection agency because they have such a bad reputation in general. I want to hear what you do differently. Well, thanks for asking me that. Um, When I got into the collection business, I was actually only 24 years old. And people are fascinated just by that in general, because here I was a very young, young woman, 24 years old, going into a very male-dominated industry. And right from the beginning, I never wanted to see collections as something punitive. I really wanted to use sales as my technique to collect debt. Well, that wasn't really working. So I guess I just stretched my brain. And one day I asked myself, um, or I told myself, I want the next person who calls to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning of the call. And then, you know, our miraculous brains really lead us how to do something. And I was able to fulfill that mission and then also create a mission for my company, which is that I actually want people to feel good about paying their debt because having a debt is a psychological burden. And it's a burden that creates a brick wall in between people and living the life of their dreams. Because if they have any kind of debt whatsoever, we have this tendency to feel shame and feel unworthiness. And so, yeah, it just became my mission. I want people to actually feel good about paying their debt. And now it's gone so far as to I'm teaching other collection agencies how to do this. And I also teach this system in healthcare and all kinds of customer service. Can you give me an example of like normal collection agency language and then how you guys do it differently? 
So I, I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and I was having a conversation with a collection law defense attorney. So this is the guy who, when people sue a collection agency, this is the guy who defends the collection agency. And I was talking to him about what I do, and he said, oh, I love it. And he goes, you know, I have to listen to these phone calls all the time because he has to, you know, through discovery with lawsuits. He said, I hear the collectors always say to the person, well, if you're not going to pay, I'm just going to keep calling you. And I thought to myself, how is that ever collect money? Like, if I said to you, oh, Amy, you know, you're not going to pay, I'm just going to keep calling you. Would you be like, okay, well, I'll pay you tomorrow when you keep calling me? No, it makes people feel harassed and and it's horrible. So that's, you know, I, I really don't know because I am so far removed from that and I've never done the traditional collections, but I've heard nightmares. I've heard of people um, threatening to call DCFS. I mean, I've just heard a lot of things. And the way we do it is very simple. We use, a, uh, we use three rules, which are eliminate negative words. We have a do not say list. You have to replace them with words that work. And the third rule, which is very important, is always say what you can do instead of what you can't do. Because I myself get so frustrated when I call any kind of customer service and all I hear is, I'm sorry, we can't do that. Our policy is this. It's just so frustrating. So what do your people say? If the person at the other end says, I have absolutely no money, it doesn't matter how many times you call me, my situation is not going to change. What would your person say? Well, we might say something like, and it's, it's hard on the spot because I don't have account information you know, right in front of me, but we would probably say something like, I can completely understand your situation. Let's go ahead and update your account information so we can discuss your options. Because with a person like that, there may be a program that they can apply for. Most of the debt we collect is medical. And so there's typically a charitable program that we can put them in touch with that will handle the, the account or reduce it significantly. Okay, so you give them options. An option is a very strong, positive word. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, my business philosophy just in general, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. My business philosophy is I really want to put my resources into those people who have the ability to pay and not really, you know, it's not profitable for a debt collector to pursue someone in the situation that you described. So you'd rather talk to somebody who says, like, I don't think the bill was fair. I don't want to pay it. It would have been less if, if my insurance company had paid it etc. And they're looking for a negotiation. Something like that. Or, or someone, someone maybe, maybe it's a budgeting issue. You know, maybe they were temporarily out of work. I mean, there are so many situations that, you know, we, we couldn't possibly name them. Okay. So you learned how to use positive language in your collections agency. How did you then turn that into a self-help book? Because what fascinated me in your book was chapter six, which is about knocking off the negative talk, especially negative self-talk. So let's take your business acumen and apply it now to our personal lives. One of the first things was that I really wanted to, I, I, wanted, I had a secret desire for years and years to be a motivational speaker. And so when I was teaching my customer service seminars, I was always sort of on the down low, also teaching personal development. And so what I knew for sure, because I had studied it for many years, is that certain 
words trigger the nervous system. So they trigger our fight or flight, or they put us in a negative state of mind. And this works whether we're saying these words to other people or whether we're saying them to ourselves. And um, for anyone who's seen the documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know? And I talk about that in the book, just the way that Dr. Emoto did these experiments to measure the difference in water molecules, whether negative words or positive words were spoken to them. And, you know, that study is kind of controversial, but there's other studies that I'm thinking that Dr. Andrew Newberg did a study where they are actually measuring the effect that words have on our biology. So it's incredibly fascinating to think that um, our the way we speak to ourselves or the way we speak just in general is having effect on our biochemistry. That is interesting. So what are the most common negative things that people say to themselves and what are your alternative things that they should be saying that are more positive? Well, I think that the words we say are a mirror to what's inside of our subconscious mind. So first of all, these words are very involuntary. Some of the examples that I give in the book are, um, I had a friend and we went to dinner and she said, when she looked at the menu, she said, too rich for my blood. Now, think about that, Amy. She is not just saying that this menu is too expensive for her, which, by the way, it very much wasn't. It was just a local restaurant, and it was happy hour, which meant all the appetizers were half price. I mean, we're talking like 4 to $6. But when she said those words, what I could really understand is she was saying she was not worthy for that restaurant. And not only was she not worthy, but her entire lineage, my blood, is not worthy. Mm-hmm. And that is a mirror to her subconscious belief system. And so they could be anything from, I'm so stupid, or why do I always do that? It's just this really when you're beating yourself up nonstop. And, you know, we, we all do this. Some people are much more conscious of it than other people. But um, I believe that it's something that once you become aware of it, you can start to replace that language. And it doesn't mean that you have to pump it with the opposite, like tell yourself that you're so great, but just even avoiding it. Reaching for the next most empowering thought can make a huge difference. Yeah, what would you say to a woman who goes, oh, I'm so fat? This could be a woman who might at most need to lose five pounds. Mm -hmm. And people do that all the time. I think that's one of the most common ways that women engage in negative self-talk? Well, if someone has a negative self-image, I would probably talk to them about, well, what do you like about yourself? So maybe they like that they have long hair or long legs. And in the book, in, in the book, there's a coaching exercise in each chapter. And I believe in chapter two, there is a challenge to write a hundred things that you like about yourself because it's not just one like quick turnaround. You know, making these changes are small pivots that, that are like a journey. So, you know, getting into a conversation where if someone says, I'm so fat, um, me telling them, no, you're not, or, hey, can we focus on something you like about yourself may not work as well as them really doing the work to change that belief. You know, I did that in your Conscious Communications book. I started writing my list, and in just a couple of minutes, I wrote down 27 things that I liked about myself. Are you serious? That's amazing. Well, I'm a writer. <laughs> no, I wrote well, down I 27 and then a I month. 
I oh no, but I didn't get to a hundred. I just quickly wrote down twenty seven, and then I continued reading the book after that because I found it fascinating. Now you told Thank me you. that you're going to a Hay House writers meeting, which I found interesting because I know so many of our writers are interested in writing for other publishing companies as well. What is that Hay House meeting that you're going to? Well, Hay House was my dream publisher. I mean, ever since I discovered Louise Hay years ago, I just really wanted Louise Hay to publish my book. I fell in love with her, and she is still my idol to this day. October 21st and 22nd, um, which is just about five weeks from now, Hay House is having a writer's workshop. And what's magical about Hay House's writer's workshop is everyone who goes to the workshop gets an opportunity to submit a proposal for a book to them, and one person will win a first prize of a book contest. And two years ago in Chicago, I was that person. They also have a second prize and a third prize, which are some self-publishing packages. But what is so different about this workshop is you don't go there to learn how to write. I mean, I go to writers' workshops all the time where we spend the entire weekend, you know, writing from prompts. This one is very much about how to write a book proposal, how to submit a book proposal, proposal, whether you do that through an agent or another means, and also how to self-publish because I think that so many people feel that itch, like they have a book inside of them. And that workshop is how I made my dream come true, and I would really love to see as many people show up and make their dreams come true. You know, this workshop is a win-win, because whether you win or not, everybody wins. Now, one other thing I want to talk about is that you sent me, as an attachment, this cool little journal called Ignite Your Dreams. Is this something that other people can get a hold of? It is. Um, we've sent you a link, so it's free to all of your listeners. Um, if they have trouble with the link, all they have to do is go to maryshores.com. There's a button there that says Ignite Your Dreams, or just push on our freebies, and we give away all kinds of free things. Ignite Your Dreams is a 26-page illustrated personal development challenge that has one exercise after another, after another, after another. And it's going to start off where you're going to write a list called the Zen 10. And then um, at the end, you're going to write a one-page action plan, which is also in the book. But the one-page action plan has really been like my secret sauce to manifestation. My friends call me the Rosetta Stone of manifestation because I have just learned how to become a powerful manifester over the years. And that's really the way I did it. Well, then great. I am going to post that link on my Twitter so that listeners can go ahead and download that and have some fun filling in the pages of that journal. Mary, I want to thank you for having come on the show today. And I wish you the best of luck with your new book, Conscious Communications through Hay House. It was really wonderful talking to you. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, everybody, for being with us today. Next week, I'm actually going on a staycation. I talk about them all the time on the podcast, and I've never actually done one myself. So I'll be back the week after, and I'll tell you how it went. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.